Joining us for a conversation is Giant Bandari, who is a world-renowned advisor to institutional investors and publicly traded companies. He's also a highly regarded speaker at global investment conferences, and he is the founder of the world-famous Capitalism and Morality. Mr. Bandari, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, thank you for having me on, Maurice. <laughs> well, it's an absolute delight to be speaking with you. We have a lot to discuss today from third world economies to investment opportunities and philosophy. Let's get to it. Beginning with third world economies, Mr. Bandari, you recently visited Sri Lanka, where the country is facing a potential monetary crisis. What is the situation there? Uh Maurice, I have been to several countries in the last uh, one month. I have traveled a lot in the last two years of COVID lockdowns. Uh, and I was recently in Sri Lanka, which was an interesting trip. It was my first time in Sri Lanka. Uh, and uh, what I encountered in Sri Lanka as soon as I landed was something that surprised me. The foreign exchange rates uh, that I was getting at the foreign exchange booth was very similar to the internationally quoted foreign exchange rate, which was 200 Sri Lankan rupees for a US dollar. So I went there with my 100 US dollar, which is the usual thing I do, and got my my um, my uh, 20,000 uh, Sri Lankan rupees. Now. Uh, what I usually do when I go to a third world countries is to shop around and, and try to understand their foreign exchange regime. Um, the next day I was walking on the street uh, trying to check out the foreign exchange rates. Um, and what I figured out was that I could get 250 rupees for a US dollar. So I was getting about 25% more cash on the street than I could in the foreign exchange booth at the airport. And the foreign exchange booth at the airport was not scamming me. They were actually quoting the international price. I have an app called XC.com's app, and that tells me the exact rates of foreign exchange. So I knew what the rate was before I arrived. Now that tells me that the country is in a massive financial crisis it's in a massive massive foreign exchange crisis uh, and uh, then you try to go deeper into the situation you realize that sri lanka is in a in an in an extremely bad situation uh, sri lanka uh, is heavily dependent on tourism and for no fault of their own uh, because international traffic came to a grinding halt the tourism industry got destroyed. I was going to a, a five-star hotel for uh, breakfast and dinner, all-you-can-eat fabulous buffet uh, breakfasts and dinners, and I was paying, uh, uh, let's say, anything between six to eight dollars per meal, including the tips. So, uh, imagine going to a five-star rest restaurant, having a fabulous breakfast for six dollars, uh, all-you-can-eat. Uh, uh, so that's the kind of situation Colombia, uh, Sri Lanka is in. Uh, its its economy is falling apart, uh, and their tourism sector is stands destroyed. Uh, and that's the a very sorry thing to see about uh, Sri Lanka. Now, is there a potential for contagion in the region? Uh, there is no potential for contagion, uh, Maurice, because each of these third world countries are falling apart independently. So you could call it contagion, but they are just falling apart uh, 
independently and people have to take a higher altitude uh, perspective on what's been happening with the third world um, you don't want to go into glorification of the third world that their time has come they are developing countries and they are going to rule the world none of that is going to happen uh, there has been no moral awakening in the third world there is no uh, enlightenment happening in the third world the only thing that is happening in the third world is massive increase in materialism people just want more and more money and the when you only have materialism increasing without a moral fabric what actually happens is that it fragments the society even more and that's what's what you see in the third world the third world culturally and socially uh, is falling apart now if you take a higher altitude view of the third world you realize that economic growth of the third world has been completely hinged to the economic growth of the first world third world countries were growing only because of the free gift of the first world countries and the protection and sense of security what we call pax americana provided by the United States. Now the United States is getting weak, uh, rapidly very weak actually, and uh, which means that international security is rapidly deteriorating and the whole of the Western world is stagnating, which means that the hinged part, which, was, which, is, which has been the third world, has no more uh, ways to continue to grow economically but it doesn't really matter whether you grow economically or not because look at Turkey look at uh, uh, the Middle East they grew the most uh, Turkey grew the most uh, in the last decade exactly when fanaticism was growing rapidly in Turkey and look at the Middle East a lot of Middle Eastern countries were twice as much rich in 1970s than they are now which means that they had a certain capacity to grow and then they simply don't have the nutrients within their societies to continue to grow economically. Now IMF and the World Bank will fool you with their spreadsheets showing how uh, a certain amount of growth rate will take them to US level in, uh, in certain amount of time but then you realize that uh, so some South uh, Arabian countries were richer than America in 1970s and now they are much more uh, much less richer than America today so uh, third world countries are falling apart uh, their economic growth has stopped and uh, has actually got much worse actually they, their economic GDP per capita today is lower than what it was three or four or five years back. So that's the situation with the third world. But the most important part is that the social and cultural fabric of the third world has completely fallen apart. They have gone completely feral. The, everyone is self-centered. Everyone is materialistic. And that's the only thing they are chasing, which means that these societies in the third world will just fragment, fall apart and go into uh, massive chaos, barbarism and savagery as time goes by. Now, of course, there were a very rare third world countries that emerged out of it. And they were the only third world countries that had the capacity and the potential to become first world countries. And those are Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, uh, South Korea, and uh, increasingly China. 
Apart from that, uh, forget about the rest of the third world. The only third world country that I think has a potential to become first world country at some point of time in the future is North Korea. But every other third world country will just continue to become worse as time goes by. Now that's interesting. You referenced North Korea there. Is there any reason why you alluded to North Korea? Yeah, because uh, look at South Korea. The the day uh, Kim Il-sung is no longer the head of North Korea, um, I expect that the next leader would be weaker. That's the way the world works. So eventually they will have a weak leader. And at that time, uh, the society will find itself capable of breathing more easily. And when that happens, economic progress will kick in very rapidly. Remember, they have... Uh, China in the north and South Korea in the south and they and South Korea speak the same language which means that South Koreans will start using North Korea as their back office uh, and get the cheap work done in North Korea and what you will see is what happened when West Germany and East Germany uh, merged together uh, the poor part of the total entity will start doing the cheaper part of the work and their economic growth will get very high. Uh, but also the key thing is uh, the culture of Confucianism that exists in, uh, in that East Asian region, uh, in Korea, in China, in Japan. There's a culture of thrift, there's a culture of hard work, there's a culture of honor. Uh, and that means that once uh, the tyranny is gone, uh, North Korea will uh, get infused uh, over a couple of generations. It won't happen overnight. Over a couple of generations infused with the uh, values of South Korea and it will grow very rapidly. But North Korea is the only exception I see. There is no other hope from any other third world country. Now, besides Sri Lanka, you've been traveling to Mexico quite frequently and I have to ask you why? Uh, well, uh, I love Mexico for myself. Uh, so. Uh, Maurice, I can uh, bitch about these third world countries, but I could easily find uh, a home for myself in one of these third world countries. Uh, Mexico has been great. Firstly, uh, the current president of Mexico has been, uh, despite being a leftist, and I usually don't like leftists, but uh, despite being a leftist, he has had a more enlightened policy to do with COVID. There is no requirement uh, to do with PCR test if you go to Mexico and they have never had it in the last two years. Uh, you could fly in and out of Mexico without any need for PCR test as far as the Mexican government is concerned. And the only thing they had was a stupid form that you had to fill in, which you had to keep it yourself uh, without ever being asked to show that form. Uh, but even that form requirement has gone. So Mexico has been completely open as far as COVID restrictions are concerned. So I have found uh, a good place to spend my time where I am relatively free from uh, extremely crazy COVID restrictions of countries like, say, Canada, New Zealand or Australia. Uh, and of course, I have, uh, I'm currently in the US and US has been a great country in many ways, but Mexico has been extraordinarily great. Now, remember when I, I can say bad things about Mexican economy and the future of Mexico, but I can still find it a good place for myself. And the reason is, Maurice, that I can go to Mexico City, stay or other parts of Mexico, and I've been to many different parts of Mexico, stay in a very nice area 
eat fabulous food every day at half or one third of what I pay in the US. And if I shop around, I probably would pay only 10% or 20% of what I would pay in the US. So for me, Mexico, within Mexico, I can carve out a lifestyle for myself, which can be more free and more uh, inexpensive. And uh, just the, my quality of life can be very nice in, uh, in a country like Mexico. Uh, but that does not mean it reflects on the general population of Mexico. So this is where a lot of people take erroneous decisions. They go to a poor country from a first world country and they say, wow, alcohol is so cheap. Food is so, so cheap. Lifestyle is so good. But it is lifestyle from your perspective as a Western person. You have to, to understand the country itself. You have to understand the lifestyle from the perspective of the local guy. And from that perspective, Mexico is not a great country if you see it from the perspective of the local guy. But for me, Mexico is great because I take my US dollars with me. Well, and I think you somewhat answered my question here because, and this is a question I receive frequently. If Mr. Bandari is a world traveler and he goes to many destinations and they seem to be third world countries, which you're quite critical of, why then do you visit them? And I think you quite you answered it for us right there. Uh, yes, mostly. And, you know, as I said about Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka is falling apart economically. Uh, but for me, it has actually improved substantially. I was staying in a oh God, four, four, four star hotel in Sri Lanka, in Colombo for something like um, uh, $35. I was eating out uh, at the best places in the city for uh, less than $10 each meal. Uh, my taxis in uh, Colombo would cost me uh, mostly less than a dollar from one place to another. So uh, for me, the lifestyle becomes better while the country was falling apart. Uh, and uh, uh, so I have to make sure that I, that my own perception my my sensual perception of the country does not distract me from the reality of what is happening which is that sri lanka as it falls apart is becoming better for me but for the local guy of course it's falling apart you shared something with me offline that i found interesting regarding your travel arrangements you seek flights that will take you a long time to get to your destination i've never heard of anyone seeking to get to their des destination in this manner why do you choose this option? Oh, that's very easy, Maurice. When I go to uh, look for a flight ticket, uh, most people look for the cheapest flight ticket that takes you from point A to point B in the uh, minimum possible hours. I actually scroll down to see which ticket I can get that is not only the cheapest, but takes me the longest to go from point A to point B. If I fly, take a 60-hour flight, I would have broken my trip into three distinct parts. An eight-hour flight with a 20-hour stay in a city, another eight-hour flight with a 20-hour stay in a city, and then arrive at my final destination. Reasonably refreshed, I could read for those during those two or three flights. I could walk around a new city during my breaks. 
uh, experience either a new country, a new city, or find hang around with my friends in those two cities. And if I don't have friends, just hang around by myself and understand the local culture and the economy. So for not only a cheap flight, I minimize my jet lag. I ensure that I pay the least amount of money for my flights and I experience traveling the world. I have been to a hundred countries and a lot of those countries I have been to this way, which is that I don't even have to pay for it, but I save money to go to those countries. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> now, just out of curiosity, I have to ask you, do you prefer a window or an aisle seat? Oh, I hate uh, the window seat because uh, if you look at the window seat, uh, as it goes, the wall of the plane goes down, it uh, it shrinks in at the bottom, which means that your leg space is restricted uh, at the window seat. And it's there's usually uh, that box in front in your in front of your feet. Yes. And I'm talking about the economy class, of course. So window seat is probably the worst. The middle seat actually might give you a better leg space, but you might have two sweaty people on both your sides. <laughs> uh, the best seat uh, what, from what I have seen is the aisle seat. And whenever I check in, I very politely ask if they could give me an exit row aisle seat. And Maurice, this is amazing. Half of the time they give me exit row aisle seat because hardly anyone asks for it. Uh, several airlines, charge you for exit row aisle seat, uh, but if they have a capacity, they might give it to you free of cost or uh, often they don't charge for it even now and they will just give it to you. Uh, and so I get uh, a very good leg, leg space that way. I have the freedom of movement uh, and uh, I just enjoy being on exit row aisle seat. You referenced foreign exchange earlier. Are there any tips that you can share with us on how to purchase foreign exchange for traveling? Uh, yes, uh, uh, Maurice, uh, this is, uh, again, uh, you know, talking talk about uh, Sri Lanka, Colombo. Uh, I was exchanging my money on the street. I was getting 250 Sri Lankan rupee for each dollar of mine. But all these other travelers were going to the ATMs and taking out their money, which meant that they were not only getting uh, the official exchange rate, which was 200, but less than that because they had to pay ATM fees and uh, other charges. So they probably ended up with 195 rupees for each dollar. I was getting 250 rupees for each dollar. Uh, and this is what you have to consider when you go to a third world country. You have to shop around on the street because their currencies are not free trading. And because their currencies are not free trading, uh, the, the 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 real price on this the value of the current US dollar on the street is different from what is in the official exchange uh, system which is the banks and the ATMs uh, and the airport uh, uh, currency exchange people so when going to the third world countries always shop around uh, for what best you can get and the difference between official and unofficial could be easily 25% uh, or more. Now, when I go to countries where US dollar is pretty much pegged to the local currency, as it, as is the case in, let's say, Bahrain or uh, United Arab Emirates or Hong Kong or even Singapore, because it's, it's not really pegged, but it's almost pegged. 
what happens in those countries is that you can go to an exchange counter, look for an exchange counter where the spread is very low. But let me explain what the spread is. The spread is the difference between the buy price of the local currency and the sell price of the local currency. Uh, now, if you go, let's say I go to, uh, if I go to a bank in the US and want to convert my 100 American dollars to Canadian dollars, uh, they will, and I was checking the rates before I started talking with you, uh, I would get 124 Canadian dollars for each 100 American dollars. But if I wanted to convert my Canadian dollars into American dollars, I would pay 130 Canadian dollars to get 100 American dollars. So suppose I walk it, walked into the bank, converted my 100, 100 American dollars into Canadian dollars, and then a minute later just converted whatever Canadian dollars I had back into American dollars, I would be I would be left with only 94 American dollars. So 6% would have been the fees that the bank would have charged me. Mm -hmm. Now, if I go to Hong Kong or let's say United Arab Emirates, the difference that I would lose would probably be 0.3% or 0.2%. So it's not worth going to an ATM in countries like Hong Kong or UAE because the, the, the currencies are pegged and I don't want to pay that 5 or 6% bank spread, bank commission. So that's the thing I do with uh, countries that are pegged with uh, American dollars. But then once it comes to, let's say, countries in uh, like Japan or Europe, European countries, uh, the usually the best option is to uh, just use the ATM. So you, because they are free trading currencies with, and not pegged to American dollar, you can easily go to the ATM. But uh, I actually use a better option there as well. And what I do is that using a professional foreign exchange services. So you can on internet. There are companies like Interactive Brokers, and there are several more you can convert your US dollar into another currency, let's say Euro, uh, at almost no loss of uh, diff, uh, loss of money, which means that there's no spread between buy and sell. You only pay about $2 to convert your money. So uh, let's say if you converted uh, $10,000, you would say save $500 by converting into another currency uh, in on a system like interactive brokers and then transferring it to a bank account that offers you a multi-currency debit card or credit card and when you have a multi-currency card your bank might allow you to might allow deduction of whatever you are spending in let's say euro from the euro account that you have within your multi-currency debit card system. So again, you can save uh, money there. Remember, Maurice, if you can save about uh, three to six percent of your money by making sure you understand this uh, this foreign exchange mechanism properly, that's a huge saving. Five percent is a massive amount of money, in my opinion. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I was I have an account there, so I, I know exactly what the prices are. There's, you're correct. It's two bucks to do in a foreign exchange, and then that was brilliant on how to to convey it then to a card and the the delta there that you're saving. Oh, that's 
That's day and night. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, speaking of traveling, do you foresee travel restrictions easing up? And if so, when? Oh, traveling restrictions are already uh, easing up. Uh, as I said, Mexico has had very limited restrictions, and even those are gone. Uh, United Arab Emirates is relatively easy to go to. Uh, I think Sweden and Norway have uh, significantly eased up their traveling uh, and slowly these countries will open up and there will be a domino effect which means that countries that don't open up quickly uh, will face the consequences of getting left out. Uh, And add to that the fact that Canadian truckers have led uh, liberty movement uh, this year. Uh, They have uh, encouraged people around the world who are against these absolutely crazy tyrannical mandates to be reduced uh, so canadian thanks to canadian truckers we might have another impetus on removing the mandates and unnecessary restrictions on uh, people's lives uh, and add all these things together i think in february or sometime within a month 2022, we should have most of the restrictions to do with COVID gone. Uh, And that's what I'm expecting. I think the world will open up from traveling perspective very rapidly. Now, I know Canadian Prime Minister has imposed uh, uh, an emergency act, which is absolutely crazy uh, because he did not do the same thing when the climate change protests were blocking the same highways or when this so-called Antifa was uh, creating chaos in Canada, uh, but now that uh, these relatively non-violent truckers are were disrupting traffic, and I know th- I'm up, I'm against public protests, I'm against honking and public uh, disruption in the public space, but they have been among the most peaceful people compared to Antifa and climate change people. Uh, but it's still, uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, in his extreme intelligence, has imposed emergency act about against these relatively peaceful people. Uh, but these relatively peaceful people, uh, well, very peaceful people, wonderful people, and I thank them enormously for what they have started, uh, the Canadian truckers. Uh, uh, Trudeau will lose because they are these truckers are not giving up. Now, as these restrictions ease, what type of impact will it have on global economies? Uh, well, firstly, uh, look at the airports, uh, Maurice, and I, as I said, I have traveled a lot. It now takes about, I would say, five times as much time to check in than it used to before COVID. And the reason is that a check-in guy now wants to check all your PCR tests, verify that the test is appropriate. Uh, he might, might not, depending on how and where you are traveling, want to know about your vaccination certificate. And even if you don't have it, don't require it, he will ask for it, and then you have to negotiate with the check-in person why the vaccine certificate is not required. And whether you have the test, which is a PCR test or rapid antigen test has to be negotiated with the check-in counter guy, and then the manager comes in. So you easily spend four to time, four to five times your time for check-in, which means that if these restrictions stay in place, the check-in areas have to be five times larger with full traffic happening through the airport. Now, that's not possible. You you have to completely 
destroy the airports and redesign mm -hmm. them for check-in purposes. So these check-in restrictions have to go, but they are not going to go easily, which means that there will be a massive, massive chaos at check-in counters as travel opens up. Uh, the, the amount of cash that people have been holding will keep coming to the market, which means uh, inflation will hit. But because uh, we have destroyed the supply chains and we have discouraged people from working, there is not enough productive capacity in the society, which means that stagflation will happen. So there is a lot of chaos coming. Don't uh, be prepared for it. It's not going to be easy. And uh, it will be, you know, globalization has been fragmented. It has, uh, it is no longer working right now. And in a way, it's a good thing because we should think about uh, having more localized uh, uh, people dependent on localized supplies rather than international supplies. Uh, but we have a very complex globalized system right now and it's not working very well. So there will be a huge amount of chaos uh, as we open up. You reference stagflation and inflation. Let's talk to the individual that's listening here today about an insurance policy that they can use. How do precious metals factor into this discussion? Uh, well, it's a no-brainer, uh, Maurice. Look at the gold price. Uh, gold refuses to go below, let's say, $1,800 today. Uh, and uh, as you have seen over the last few days, gold price has been reasonably strong. Now, today it might have fallen because of uh, Russia-Ukraine tension easing up. Uh, but I think what uh, has now taken a firm grip on people's psyche is that inflation and its stagflation are here to stay. Now, they might not think in those words, but they are afraid of what's happening in the economy. Uh, jobs will be fewer. Uh, jobs that are available will not have enough people working in those jobs. Uh, supply chains and cost of productions are rising because of bureaucracy, COVID restrictions, uh, and uh, destruction of glo globalized infrastructure. So you will have a stagflation and it will uh, impact uh, economies and monetary system. And one way to protect yourself is through precious metals. And I think a lot of people are already paying attention to it. The reason why gold price has been uh, either consolidating or becoming a stronger. Now, to be clear here, you're not referring to an ETF. Uh, we're talking about the physical metal being in your possession. Is that correct? Um, well, uh, uh, I am not a big fan of gold ETFs. Uh, you lose, uh, I don't know, 0.3, of your gold every year. Uh, I would rather buy physical gold and hold it within my possession and it will stay my own gold. Uh, it is not it would not be electronic gold which i might not get in 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 a crisis situation or in a time of need now look at maurice what canada did yesterday canadian Im government Im imposed an emergency act and now without an approval of the court bank without any instruction from the government can independently freeze your account right away now, it's hard to under believe that this is happening in Canada. I'm not exaggerating at all. You look at uh, what Canadian Prime Minister said yesterday, they can freeze your account right away. They can freeze your stock market account right away. What happens, what hap would happen if your gold ETF, it belongs to you, but if it gets frozen up, 
what use would that be to you so you have to have uh, physical gold in your possession or at least enough physical gold in your position that you can live on for a few months I often remind individuals that are looking at ETFs is that if you're looking for the precious metal as the insurance, when you sell it, you don't receive back the precious metal. You receive the currency which you're trying to insure against. So it somewhat defeats the purpose. <laughs> yeah, you have to be very careful about uh, the tyrannical system that has been evolving, the, the control system that has been evolving. And as I said, uh, most of our money these days is in uh, electronic form and uh, the governments can freeze your money and certainly Canada has taken that extremely tyrannical step to enable them, uh, not just enable them, but even the local bank manager to just freeze your money. And then you can fight around uh, to get your money back if you have any cash left in your pocket because, you know, you could be a billionaire, but if it's all frozen, how would you pay the lawyers and the court system to get out of your uh, frozen money. It's just a crazy situation. You have to have uh, accounts outside your own country of residence and you have to have physical gold or access to uh, to to wealth that you can uh, use when a time of crisis comes. And physical precious metals is a great way to protect, uh, diversify and protect yourself. And I have to ask you, do you prefer, and I think I, I know the answer here, but gold and or silver? Uh, well, uh, I I mostly think in terms of gold, uh, but uh, silver uh, and other precious metals are great ways to uh, protect your uh, capital. Uh, remember the 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 spread between buy and sell of silver is I think usually higher. So gold is probably more liquid from that perspective that the spread is lower uh, and it's easy to to carry gold. Uh, also, gold is more of a precious metal than silver is because silver has many other usages. So its price can be a function of several other things happening in the market apart from just monetary policy changes. Uh, so, uh, so that is why I pay a lot more attention to gold than to silver. And as a reminder, I'm a licensed representative to buy and sell physical precious metals through Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments. Give me a call at 855-505-1900 or you may email maurice at milesfranklin.com. Switching gears, Giant, when it comes to arbitrage opportunity, your name is second to none. Do you see any arbitrage deals that we should consider? Uh, there's one company called uh, LaSalle exploration the ticker in canada is lsx uh, uh, lsx and it's trading you can buy if you bid for it at eight and a half cents canadian uh, my guess is you should be able to accumulate a lot of these shares uh, they are going to complete a merger with harfeng exploration by the end of march uh, there is an arbitrage of about 10 to 15 percent in uh, LaSalle Exploration LSX. Uh, but moreover, I have owned Harfang Exploration for a long time. I think there's a very nice upside in owning. There was already a nice upside in owning Harfang. But the merger with uh, uh, LaSalle Exploration, which actually combines uh, two projects which were actually contiguous into one, 
Uh, so this is truly a win-win combination. So there is an economies of a scale in this merger. So the upside goes up even further. What I have done, Maurice, of course, is to sell my Harfeng Exploration shares and buy uh, LaSalle Exploration uh, because uh, not only I stay back in uh, the merged entity, but I get enter it at a lower price than uh, through than what I was uh, invested in earlier. Oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant philosophy of investing. I've benefited, and I know a number of our audience members have benefited from your arbitrage uh, deals that you've shared with us in the past. Now, we've saved the best for last, and that is philosophy. And I can't think of any person that is more passionate about the subject than you. Why have you dedicated much of your life's passion to philosophy, and why should each of us listening consider the subject? Uh, well, because, uh, Maurice, uh, I grew up in a shithole, a hellhole uh, called India, uh, where uh, there is no concept of moral consciousness. People have no understanding of what is right and what is wrong. Everything is based on might is right. And as a result, uh, people, how people operate, even within families, is through... Uh, expediency and uh, might might is right uh, there is no social cohesion in that society uh, and that meant that even as a child i was wondering about why the western countries and countries like japan singapore and hong kong were doing so well they were you know 20 to 50 or 100 times richer on per capita basis than an average indian was uh, and I used to wonder about what was it so significantly different between uh, the first world and the third world. And I started to realize, Maurice, that the difference was in the moral fabric uh, of these societies. Now, I know there are some virtue signalers, uh, crocodile uh, people who shed crocodile tears, talking about how spiritually advanced the third world is. No, the third world is a rotten cesspool uh, of uh, of immorality and immorality there's nothing redeeming about the third world so i was thinking about what was it about the first world that made it so good and at the end of the day the reason the first world europe and america became so good was because of the moral fabric they created uh, largely based on christianity and greek roman philosophy uh, and the concept of honor integrity uh, compassion, tolerance, all mixed together, the concept of accountability, the concept of individuality and self-responsibility that these people created was the, diff the true fundamental difference between the first world and the third world. So that's where my interest in philosophy comes from, because without that moral fabric, without those key ingredients, society cannot become better, cannot economically progress. Economy is not everything, Maurice, but it's a symptom of the underlying spiritual and moral awakening in the society. Mr. Bhandari, you're the founder of Capitalism and Morality, a philosophical form which is focused on reason, argumentation, and liberty. For someone new to Capitalism and Morality, tell us more about the event. Um, well, Maurice, uh, except for the last two years, I have uh, been running this seminar in Vancouver downtown during uh, summer every year for the last 10, 12 years. Now, of course, I have not been able to run it for the last two years. I do hope I can somehow run it this year. Uh, 
but it's a it's a seminar in which i want to highlight what is great about the western civilization what's great about the western philosophy and i must say that western civilization and western philosophies are the only civilization and the only philosophies that the countries outside the west never had philosophy uh, and did not have uh, civilization so uh, i want to like to highlight what is great about the west and why it is paramount that we preserve it because without western civilization and without western philosophy we are no more than animals has a date been established in some of the featured speakers uh yes uh, a date has been established uh, maurice and uh, we will have a wonderful uh, lineup of people like uh, walter block uh, jeff dyst of uh, mises institute uh, we will have uh, mark victor from the us he is an attorney who is uh, who fights for liberty of people uh, he we will have adrian day and rick rule both uh, mentors of mine uh we will have uh, duck casey my philosophical mentor uh, and we will have many other speakers at the seminar and and just for just out of curiosity how about albert lu uh, albert lu again a great friend and uh, whenever he speaks people come to me and say hey i'm amazed that albert lu is not one of the anchors on the major television show and that's the kind of uh, personality uh Albert Lu has it's it's he's an amazing speaker he he uh, the audience loves him he wakes people up and he intrigues audience with his humor so he is another uh, speaker that we have but i must warn um, maurice <coughs> that um, uh, while i'm extremely thankful to truck uh, canadian truckers who might enable my seminar to go ahead this year uh, but uh, Justin Trudeau has been extremely tyrannical and if that continues by the time the seminar is to be held then I may have to shift the seminar to either the US or Mexico. Well let's hope for the better here cuz I'm looking forward to attend here. Mhm mhm. And and just for uh, you know for just sharing this with the, the, our audience members here. Before I was introduced to your work admittedly I overlooked the significance of how important the role of philosophy plays in our daily lives and it's right there it's right before us and yet many of us we just can't articulate it and attending capitalism and morality over the years has provided such clarity ladies and gentlemen you owe it to yourself visit the youtube channel capitalism and morality grab some coffee click play and enjoy now in closing sir what did i forget to ask Um, well we have uh, had a lot of conversation about the third world uh, maurice and i might add that uh, i have been going to india quite a bit more than my usual visits over the last 6 months well last one year i have spent 6 months uh, over the last one year in india uh, and i tell you i have been completely wrong about india um, i have said uh, very bad things about india i have told you what it is and i tell you what uh, India is a hundred or a thousand times worse than it is, and I have I have been uh, working on a project, uh, meeting uh, some very top officials in the country, and I tell you, uh, it is rotten to the core. It's a cesspool uh, of sewage that is rotting away. 
from top to bottom the only interest of every single bureaucrat and politician is how much money you can give him as a bribe and bribing happens right in the open in public space everywhere uh, there is absolutely no concern for the other human being these people can sell their daughters and wives into prostitution if they could make more money so that's how rotten india is uh, and that's how rotten the rest of the third world is uh, i am uh, just truly amazed that i was relatively naive by just calling india a it's just so much worse uh, now that i have experienced uh, uh, india again after 17 years of my stay away from it last question what keeps you up at night that we don't know about uh, well uh, i i hope the western civilization wakes up to the horrendous problem uh, that the third world will be for them in the future uh, and the third world imported culture, which is uh, wokeism, that will be for the future of the first world. So I hope we can uh, avoid it because uh, Biden, Kamala Harris, Justin Trudeau, these are not representatives of Western civilization, Western philosophy. They are representatives of third world, immoral, immoral uh, societies. They are woke people and woke people are actually feral they are no different from uh, the people of the third world. And I, I hope un that under their leadership, the leadership of Justin Trudeau and Biden, we don't convert the West into uh, third world countries. Mr. Bendari, for someone that wants to learn more about your work, please share the website address. Uh, everything that goes, uh, everything that I do goes on my website, which is jayanthbhandari.com. Mr. Bandari, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Wishing you the absolute best, sir. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity, Maurice. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.